What's going on, guys? WGO with Joe. Episode 18 is here. We got Cody Parks back on after, you know, not seeing him for a whole year. It's been so long, and we're glad to bring him back on to show you guys some of the new content and the way the podcast is trending for 2021. Um, we do want to give a couple shout-outs to the uh, friends and families as well as businesses that have helped made this dream become a reality. If you haven't heard from the last 17 episodes, Triple Vapors is your one-stop shop for your glassware vaping accessory needs. Not only do they have three prominent employees at the Oakville location in South County, St. Louis, that are named Deej, Mike, and Mort, they also have other convenient locations scattered across the Illinois-St. Louis region. It has been such an amazing time knowing all of them at the vape store over the last year and a half, almost two years since they've been in the St. Louis region, and they're just killing the game. During COVID, they've been able to adapt and yet again have been able to, you know, persevere where a lot of other businesses have not. So uh, check them out there, uh, Triple Vapors, your one-stop shop. Tell them WGO with Joe sent you. And uh, yeah, that's what's up. Also, guys, we do want to shout out some of our magic groups. Mana STL is hosted by my boy Mark, and what Mana STL is known for is being able to beat TCG or TCG player on your magic needs. They have a plethora of cards uh, online, and uh, you know, shopping is not just it. Mark buys a shit ton of cards. The man is backed by enormous amounts of cash and cardboard to be able to take your sets that have been collecting dust and offer you top dollar that you're unaware of. Um, Mark has a team of amazing experts that go through cards, get them graded, and make sure to get you your money fast, convenient, and secure. Uh, Mark, like I said, is our one-stop shop when we sell or buy magic cards, and uh, he doesn't have a storefront, so he's able to, you know, not cut that price to uh, make a... Uh, you know, his overhead, because his overhead is non-existent, for real. So check him out, manastl.com. With COVID, it's been hard to find a place that allows you to do tabletop gaming. With the restrictions counties have put on in various parts of the city, you may not have been able to play Warhammer 40k or Magic the Gathering at your local LGS. However, if you go right there in Illinois in Belleville, 20 minutes south from where I am, I mean east, not south, we have my boys at the Lotus Lookout. We've been talking about them for the last couple weeks, and let me tell you, when we met them, they are already in the process of growing their storefront into like a larger you know, spot. Uh, they're able to host tournaments still with the regulations Illinois has implemented. They have a extensive amount of magic cards. They keep track of what's current, what's standard, what's hip, what's popping, and they have a beautiful selection all laid out and some of the cleanest shelving I've seen at a local gaming store. Uh, what's really unique about uh, the Lotus Lookout is not only is magic their bread and butter, but they've picked up some jelly with that Warhammer 40k in Dungeons and Dragons life. So they have a group that goes out there, I think, every Saturday or every Tuesday and does open table play for uh, Warhammer 40k. They got a couple groups that do, uh, you know, D&D &D here and there. But every day of the week, there's a different magic tournament, a different format, and there's so much that they have to offer. Again, the Lodge Lookout is where we play magic and pick up our quick cards why we need it. Right now, we have our neighboring dog, 
howling at the moon or probably at me for talking, but you know what? Disregard those barks. Um, guys, this has been a fucking road trip to uh, where we're at in the podcast world. Um, we've secured episode 18. Um, we've not only have grown and progressed over a certain like threshold that I expected to, um, we're in the new location now. We're here shedded up in the shed TM, um, and uh, the studio's coming along nicely. It should be finished, and the video will be brought to you soon. We're also working on a clothing line. That's right, folks. We got a motherfucking clothing line in the works. You know what that means? That means you're going to be able to get your favorite WGO with Joe sayings, funny pictures of me as an animated bearded fuck, as well as some just crazy shit I would say and put on a shirt myself, and I'm surprised Spencer's wouldn't sell it. Uh, but yeah, guys, we're also going to have some cool little hats and whatnot for you, so stay tuned for our, uh, you know, uh, WGO with Joe shop. It's going to be a fucking lit time. Um, like I said, guys, we had Cody Parks back on this episode. We got to have a little more in-depth conversation where we weren't as distracted by all the uh, background uh people and all that good stuff and be able to bring you a little more wholesome content and moving forward that's how these podcasts will be more wholesome content with less distractions for you um of course there's going to still have the comedy the the slur the slang the word fuck used quite a bit but moving forward guys this is this is the shit this is where we're going to be we're going to be bringing you live some amazing content and hopefully video soon um Again, thank you so much for checking out this episode. Stay tuned uh, and listen. Peace. What's going on, guys? Episode 18 with WGO with Joe is starting right now. My name's Joey Bartman, and today I have my returning friend, composer... Conductor Cody Parks. What the fuck's up, buddy? Salutations. How are you doing today? Dude, I haven't seen you since last year. <laughs> so <laughs> funny. <laughs> so funny. But man... Um, funny as the fifth graders I teach. <laughs> yes. Actually, I think they're funnier. Oh, uh, thanks. Uh, you know, I do strive at having... Are you not as funny as a fifth grader? Yeah, that's my thing. I don't try to be funny. I'd be, you know, stupid. You Thanks. drop down to the level of a first grader. Yas. Anyways, dude, uh, before we started recording, you were talking about uh, some of the gifts you got during the Christmas times, and one was from your brother. Uh, what did he give you? Well, it was for my birthday. My birthday. Oh yeah, he, five days after Christmas. So it's like 30th. a birthday Christmas thing. Right? Yeah. Um. He asked me what I wanted, and I and I've never asked for a score before, a mm-hmm. conductor score for music. And so I sent him a link to one, and I and it was Mahler's first two symphonies, which I've been wanting to study and look at and get like kind of my views on mm-hmm. it and, and for the future or whatever. And he didn't buy me, but the first two, he bought me one, two, three, and four. So mm-hmm. I got kind of lucky there. So I've been spending the last couple of weeks sniffing through them, making and a, marks. And a score is like, yeah, you're, you're looking at their music and trying to understand how I see how it's, everybody's... Like, what they've ri- written, yeah, what they try to... What mark. every player plays, what every instrument does. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay, so it's literally a full score mm-hmm. of... Okay, that's really neat, man. And he got you all four of his... The first four. He the has first ten. Four. He has ten. So, oh, that's... 
So is that like something like most composers, conductors actually try to look for when they're looking to learn about composing music, especially like orchestraic music or to study scores? Yeah. Um, or is that kind of something more of a composer would sought after because you're trying to learn other styles? I would think they do, but I kind of developed that in my own personal um, study. That You just adapted to looking at scores? I kind of figured that if I wanted to write decent music, I would have to look at different scores, and I would have to kind of see how other composers formulate them together, especially ones that I admire and like. So I should take a look and see how they wrote their music and how everything kind of goes together. And on the other hand, being a conductor is to be able to kind of get me prepped for any sort of concert that may, in the foreseeable future, have this in there. And that I could actually be more than ready to just go up and do. And then that's also something you could use to, when you're able to go back and conduct and do shows again as a conductor, use those scores to, like, teach your your orchestra to play right yeah or, okay. well more so or less yeah, yeah. and it kind of it kind of like i said it kind of helps prep for that future yeah and also exposes you to a whole range of mm-hmm. something that you didn't even think you would enjoy before yeah no most definitely man and i know like uh last time we talked we did kind of just go sporadically all over our conversation um but uh we did touch a bit on you know you wanting to do a, be a career as a conductor and i know we touched about like there's not really a school where you could get a bachelor's really and conduct. I mean, there no. is, but it's there's like one in California. But, but and it, why would you, you do go that to school? And there's no point. To, like, if you're going to get a degree in composing and conducting, you're doing it wrong. I would. Take. Well, it, it, composing, you want to go in and do it from your bachelor's to your master's. But conducting, you want to do something in music first, like education. And like, there's only really like three schools of thought that you can go into is educate or four maybe. Education, professional, and um, com- composition, and then th- music, maybe music therapy, if if that's even a possible idea. I for think that's probably like a, a near, but that's also more like a psychological. Yeah, so thing. I wouldn't think anybody who's a music therapist be going to be a conductor, but you never know in this day and age. Or maybe it was a conductor but, looking to switch in. But the, the three the three primary schools of thought mm. it is education, professional, and composition, and. Mm. Then once you've done that, got your bachelor's there, then you move on to the conducting, especially if you're a composer. I I myself have always said that I would rather be the one to premiere my pieces than someone else to do that. At least then I set the, the standard for it, and everybody kind of gets an idea of what I wanted out of the piece. But, they, but I also write my music in a style that, or at least I try to, that the conductor, the musician, mm-hmm. interprets it on their own. That I don't write everything... To, to the exact, like, Nazi letter that every little note has this accident to it. That well, every little yeah. note has this articulation to it. It has to yeah. be hit exactly this way every time. No. Yeah. If they want to make a certain spotlight in a section of the music, they can. And where I didn't yeah. think it would be an open spotlight. I would rather have my music more of an interpretation, kind of like a poem. Robert, mm. Or like a Robert Frost poem. Robert yeah. Frost always said that... To interpret his poems is just to what do you see? Because he wrote it just, and his interpretation wasn't going to be known to anybody. What he why he wrote it, he let everybody else interpret it themselves, and that's kind of the forum I go with. I I, I kind of understand what you with using that Robert Frost you know analogy was really awesome to help compare it 
in a way. But like you said, a composer mostly uh, what writes music. They don't really yeah. conduct it. And then that music, a, compo- a composer, I guess, will conduct some of their own pieces. In yeah. a sense, there are you know there's. Like and it, said, it's not it's not unheard of. I mean, a lot yeah. of the great John Williams is an example. And I was even talking about this last night with a couple friends. Um, I said, I keep debating on going into film scoring. One of them points out I should write music for games, and I'll get a, get later to that one. But the other guy was saying, um, well, that wouldn't be a bad idea. I said, yeah, but I would have to go under a pen name. Yeah. So why? Because I said, I, didn't want, I don't want to get into the John Williams syndrome yeah, where but... every concert I do from here on out as a conductor, mm-hmm. if I do a big box office movie, which probably won't ha- never happen, but... You don't want to have um, that high I don't of a want standard. That, I don't want to have to go. Yeah, and I don't want to have to go to every do every concert that I conduct doing just my music yeah. or this that song. Because like doing you, Jurassic you Park yeah. every time, doing Star Wars every time, doing ET every time. Maybe he enjoys doing it. I don't know him personally, but for me, I feel like I would want to rip my own hair out, and I would want to do other music. I would want to write. You wouldn't want to have to music. play what everyone knows from the movie just to want to bring them there because yeah. that's what they're I looking think, for. I but think at there the would same be. Time, I you... think there. If I if I had ever achieved to my point that I wanted to get, it would be three lives that mm-hmm. were being lived, and one would be the conductor, the other would be the composer, yeah. and then finally the pen name. Yeah. Um, film score like yeah. I wouldn't ha- and that one would be the separate entity from everything else no most definitely but before we get com- uh, too far away but you know going back into you know that you said you wanted to premiere your own work I assume with that statement there are conductors that don't premiere their own work or composers that don't premiere a lot of their own work and you don't want someone to put that standard on your work you want to put the standard I you wrote I- and then allow other conductors to interpret what you've done I think a lot of conductors slash composers, the ones that are heavy conductors, are the ones that premiere their own work. But the composers that aren't the heavy conductors are the ones that but generally then... aren't the ones that premiere their work. And there's a lot of like composers in residence or composer in residence um, that live in cities for symphony orchestras. They write specifically music, for that. Yeah. And whether or not they conduct it is probably on their their but... choice or the that board committee that runs that whole like show. But and that conductor who does premiere that work sets the standard for that composer who doesn't oh, play. Oh, most definitely. If it's the first time that it's being performed, so that's it's, what you you're, said, setting, yeah. you're setting that standard. So you want to set your own standard, though, for when you perform oh. and debut your work. Yeah, and if I and unless I write a musical or something, I'd probably let that one slide. <laughs> I wouldn't want to have to conduct an orchestra and a dance crew and singers and actors that's at the lot. same time. Is that that seems like a lot more than one conductor would be orchestra? Oh, that's that there's specific con- conductors that do musicals. There's certain conductors that do like, operas, which are R- encompassing encompassing so much of the arts. It's taking everything in the arts and putting it into one thing. That's what musicals and operas are. And I commend a lot of music musical so and a opera. A musical writers. has a conductor there. Most of the time, they have some sort of conductor. person there to keep the tempo, especially something like Phantom of the Opera okay. or um, Sweeney Todd, where you have that full, full symphonic ensemble. orchestra yeah, yeah. that's in front of you playing all these notes and all mm-hmm. these rhythms, and you have singers that are doing all these notes and rhythms. Especially with yeah. Stephen Sodheim, there's so many different chord progressions that are going on that are so awkward that you kind of need somebody who can organize that mess into one. Yeah, whether or not <laughs> that I would conduct a musical or an opera, <laughs> excuse me, is up in the air. I may try dabbling in it at some point in my life. I just yeah. So, it seems like a very in, 
a lot of a lot of things like going a into one. lot of foreseeable things you don't know yet yeah, yeah and something that just seems it, it could fall apart easily okay now um i know you said you were heading back into school i guess after this semester teaching um kids virtually first off uh before uh, we... in person actually. Uh, you, you i thought you were going online this semester the first week of the semester we did and, and that was about it so that we now we're on we're back second in week, third week now coming in and we're back in person really yeah wow yeah it's been great oh man i thought you were going to be teaching online this semester no yeah, no no it's been great no that's good at least but uh so uh are you gonna take a, a hiatus from the teaching life when you return back to the college life no no i'll be still teaching and doing both oh so you're gonna do like a part-time so I'll be, student i'll be or... learning how to be a teacher to while get my teaching. bachelor's to get to be te- while teaching yeah while teaching the whole time <laughs> this so is the loophole seems... we're for private schools <laughs> exactly like if you know your stuff and and i've had that conversation and before I that i've got so fortunate person you can't be like a math teacher not having a degree to teach math. no i would think to teach like a core subject you would have to have but a like for, for an that. art or sports <clears throat> or anything yeah you co- your well, coach it's not just that uh what i had going for me is I have amounted a mass amount of knowledge in well, the yeah. field. That that enough shit. enough to at least teach a decent year every year to teach this similar thing at least or something new. And I have the ambition to want to do something and change something and and work yeah. at something to make it a little bit better or better than what it is and then yeah. possibly change the face. And in future reference, I don't even think possibly I if depending on when I finish my degree is how long I'll be at that school after that, yeah. because reality, I want to move on to high school, do my master's at the same time as that, and then move on to college. If not move on to a symphony orchestra. Yeah. And, um, I guess the, I guess with COVID, I don't foresee myself seeing you being able to play a show anytime. Like, you know, well, I did, um, have you, I- I've done a mass, um, well, right that... before we went on break, the Friday before mm. we went on break, they asked. I got asked a week before, um, the hey, can you? I heard that you were wanting to do a choir at some point up here. I said, yeah, um, probably not till next year since we have COVID. But yeah, well, I was thinking of having a choir at mass. We want to do it. And I was like, next Friday's mass. This is Tuesday. Like yeah, and I was like, all right. I'll start rehearsing next week. Let me get everything set up. So I got everything set up, and I was only allowed a next number of people. I got six people, six oh, nice. girls, um, middle schoolers. I only let it. I opened it up to the middle schoolers. I was like, I don't want to. I'm going to be particular about the voicing. I want it just to be the developed area because this is a short time frame that I got to do this. So I got to make sure everybody's You're trying to in get sync. the people that are kind of have that natural talent. That and or they've already, already have like classes to do outside of or, school. Not or, even that. Or, one, one of them was like that, but that already have a developed voice, at least enough to be able to sing. And then I also was given an option to throw in a piece of music I wanted to, so I did. Um, good, fr- good Christian friends rejoice. And I looked at it in our hymn book, and I and I thought to myself, I was like, this is kind of. You know, to be frank, I said this is kind of shitty. This really sucks. This is very. Sl- this is very like just a simplistic version. So, and I remembered an old version that I heard that was written by Gustav uh, Holtz. Mm-hmm. 
And so I changed, I re, I spent a whole weekend rewriting it, rearranging it, and then I threw it into our program. And then we got to mass. Uh, we only had three days of practicing. Oh, that's always fun. Yeah, and these Did are they, middle schoolers. These are pe- these are kids that haven't. Did they do pretty well though? Well, I'll, I'll get to that. Yeah. But these are kids that haven't done that. That's like professional level. You're just given like. Three hey, days. We, got a show. we did Four 45 days. minutes for two of them and about an hour and a half for the last one because we were getting everything ready for like what's going to happen. This yeah. is when this happens. This is when that happens. Whoops. And yeah, watch out for the yeah, mic. I know. My hands move everywhere. <laughs> yeah, if we had um, the video cameras, uh, which hopefully in the scene you can see him, he's literally just got his fucking hands moving around like a fucking. Perks of being a musician. Yeah. But, well, I mean, that's just you not wanting to sit still. True. <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, with they. So overall, it was about three hours of rehearsing overall, mm-hmm. and get to Friday, we're we're doing it. Watch the mic. <laughs> we're doing it, and I was already having a stressful day because I was taking my new cat into the vet back and forth between school and going to the vet, coming back, and just in time to run a short rehearsal to get him into the um, church and then to get started. So I was already having a bum rushing day. And we finish, we get to, there's one section, we get to one section of it, and it's when we're supposed to do Good Christian Friends. Well, our pianist started playing a completely different song, and I was already ready to conduct one song that's in a completely different time signature. The girls were already ready for that same song that I was on, and we all had these wide eyes looking at each other. I saw one girl's eyes turn into an owl, pretty much, and I was like, well, fuck it, just... Get into it. Just figure it out. And they pulled together perfectly. So they got it thrown into a loop after got, like three hours of rehearse. And then they got thrown a they girls. got throw a perfect curveball in any rehear any concert setting that I've ever been in, the perfect curveball, which is the pianist messed up and started playing the wrong song. But the pianist wasn't and gonna stop and she didn't even stop and correct herself. I wasn't gonna stop it because we already started I was like, ah screw it. This thing's this mass is already an hour and a half long. I'm not gonna make this any longer by stopping. And I didn't want to embarrass myself because the principal was right behind me and this was being broadcast to the whole school and we had the eighth graders in there. I'm like, I'm not stopping. Screw this. It started off. These girls know it. We'll do it. Yep. So and they pulled together perfectly and I grabbed I gathered them together right afterwards and I said, you guys did something that... I was not expecting. I was not expecting one. I said, but you guys did something that professionals have to do, where you you had three days of rehearsing, and then you had that happen. And you guys pulled together so beautifully. But it and was a song you guys have rehearsed, though. It yeah, wasn't just we, like, we weren't we weren't unprepared, but it was just it was like, there it was a lot of page songs, flipping. It wasn't in that song set yet. Yeah, exactly. And then there was like, a oh, lot of page oh, flipping. Oh, oh, and I'm oh. just like, ah, screw it. I wrote the damn thing. I know how, it's, how it goes already. <laughs> oh, and, so the song they were playing was the song you wrote? Yeah. Oh, so I had it backwards. So we were supposed to do one song, and then it was the one I wrote. And so I was like, fuck it. I, knew, I already know how it goes. So let's play it. And and it was and and they just did it perfectly. I was so proud of them. And oh, you have to be, especially and, for they were like what, I said, like professional middle schoolers? professionals have trouble with something like that. Like some, there's sometimes when something like that happens and the whole thing just crumbles apart. But usually it's in a rehearsal. And then there's something like that happens and it just pulls together. Perfectly. And it becomes like an embarrassed moment too, because like if anything, the pianist. What if the pianist were to stop and recorrect? Would you guys have been okay with that? 
I like, was glad well, she did it. Because actually. that would have been more eruptive. That, yeah, that's been number one rule. Rule 101 of being a musician is when you mess up. You just go In the middle of a performance, don't stop. Keep going. So that's you what she going. did. And she was probably, I guess, it. in the back or your pianist. Or... She didn't even realize she did it. Oh, and she did I came did up it? to her afterwards and I said, did you know that yet we were supposed to do blah, 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 not that one? She's like, oh. And I said, yeah, but. That was great because them girls pulled together really well. <laughs> I was so impressed. Oh my goodness! And it was a great joy. I I was immensely impressed, and I even emailed the guy who um, orchestrates our um, masses, who does who like gets them all together mm-hmm. and sets them up. And I asked him if we can do another mass choir because them girls enjoyed it so much. And the lady yeah. that was playing piano for me wants to keep doing it, and I had was worried about not being able to find a piano player. So that was where I got lucky. Now I can actually pull that program together and actually set up a choir at well, the dude, school. It, it, I mean, what's really cool is the school's helping you network and build. and they You're, yeah. te- you're, you're now able, you, you just prove that you're able to handle a choir and pull them through that. I'm sure you told your principal just knowing you. You're, did you know my little six students I here? I don't think I did yet. <laughs> oh. She also gave them like a little prize. It's a... Um, uh, um, dress down pass because we have to wear they have to wear uniforms so she gave them a dress down pass to use whenever they want oh so they it. could wear casual clothes day yeah and I was standing off to the side when she gave it to them and I was just like there they deserve more gonna... than that but you know what I guess Whatever that's a privilege for Catholic kids in to school wear, to, to wear, wear normal regular clothes, clothes. unless yeah. it's like a, every other Friday or something I guess I think it's like a once a month thing they get to wear regular clothes or, or they do like a fundraiser you pay five dollars the eighth graders get to wear for most part, regular clothes. It's like their privilege, or like or less restricted on the pants, I guess. Yeah, and I think because it, I know like high schoolers and generally for Catholic students, I know we're a little sidetracked, but they they're pretty lenient. They just wear a shirt, tie, and their pants kind of just have to be cargo ones, I guess. Actually, no, it's the polo shirt and khakis is what we have to, and I think it's the same in high school. If not, it's just slightly different, but a little more laid back. Yeah. But yeah, so that that was that was the excitement horny. right before Christmas was that, and I I have never been more prouder of 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 anything I've ever conducted in my life, even though it didn't sound mm. the greatest, you know. And I know, well, and I knew that, and I knew they weren't gonna know really know that or notice that. But even one of the teachers said to me, she said, "How did you get them to be so loud?" And there were only six of them. I said, "They were mic'd, didn't you know that?" She said, "They've always been mic'd, and they've had more kids singing out there. How did you get them to be louder?" I said. Confidence boost. I actually, I actually showed them how to. I taught them yeah. how to do things. And then they're not gonna lie, since I've been messing with audio stuff. So your sound guy probably also had the noise on the mics pulled up. Oh no, we did the we oh. did it the same as they always oh, did. So and I even had to like kind of adjust them down. I guess it was probably because uh, no voice is overpowering another as much when you have. That's pro. That's one thing, but the I think the other thing is is the way they the never mics had a, they never had a conductor in front of them. And they had uh, somebody who was leading it in, so they had more com. And I was somebody that actually pushed them to be louder, because I was like, "No!" I, when they were singing, I was like, "No, you're not going to be this timid. You're going to be singing it straight on." I said, "We're not going to stress the voices out in rehearsal. Maybe the last one, just a little bit. We got and to." And then when but... we get to the actual day, and I think that's what really helped was try- ma- getting them to see mm-hmm. that no, you just don't sit there and go. Ha, da, da, ha, ha. You have to. Ha, 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 ha. And I bet all the guys in their class afterwards are like, wow, she could sing. No, probably not. One of the boys wanted to sing in there, and he came in too late for it. And I 
I didn't want to disrupt the feng shui of the voicing because it was six girls. And if I wanted to do that, I probably would want two to three boys to kind of counter it out with that temp. The male of uh, male like a male voices are high in middle school, but it's just that temperament. Yeah. And my ear is already like assured to like one thing, so I'm like ready to hear that. But I'm hoping within the future I could do something else with them. Maybe bring you in like a little assistant or lackey after school practices. Well, that's probably eventually what it's going to have to be. Well, and I mean, that's going to be a large program. You may just be the director of their music and arts, you know? Just for the region of South County, like the art dir- the music art director. For uh, whatever Catholic private school, insert name here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, because I was planning on combining um, four schools to create like one a, or two bands, and I was thinking that like... That would be smart, but you'd probably want to use the bigger of the schools... Well, and that's the instruments. Yeah. And, and I had been thinking about all of that and I was like, that's going to eat up so much time to the point to where they probably would have to hire another music teacher while I work doing that and figure a way maybe to have the arch, like the archdiocese to pay me instead of the parents to just do a band program for an overall group. And I might start talking about doing that. That will take me out of the classroom a lot more. Is that like the, uh, Um, it's like the. The Catholic governing body for so is, um, St. Louis. So that you're because your church obviously runs the school that you work for, or you mm-hmm. work for the church that operates the school. Yeah, okay. in a sense, column like, A, column B, I guess. Yeah, when you like, think about it, they have their school, they have their church, but it's ran by this group that also runs them. You know, this church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's ran by this church, but it's it's okay. But uh, so is there someone they have to like? talk to or petition to to say in the name of god we need music <laughs> um, we need music for our children so they're not sinners and I mean, won't have to burn in eternity to lincoln park they, as well as dubstep i think they have to go so i think our principal would have to go through our monsignor no our monsignor who's, who's in that? charge of the parish and then like he goes pastor? yeah he's a priest Okay. Uh, he's just slightly higher than a priest. So he's like the p- priest on steroids. Yeah, pretty much. He gets the fancy car and stays on property all the time. Yeah. Nice. And, church. and then I think he goes to the archbishop, mm-hmm. who is recently new. If that's not the case, then there's a different like chain that but the principal has to, has to go, go through. To but there's a chain that you have to. We, I would probably we would probably have to go through to like figure something out like that. And I would probably still stay and teach at St. Margaret Mary's, but I would probably still, I would probably say, okay, I'll just teach five on up, and then I'll see how about finding somebody to teach fourth K, on down. Yeah. K to four. or No, pre-K on up. Yeah, pre-K to pre-K fourth. Pre-K on up to fourth. Yeah. And that would actually savor me up some time, and probably would get me paid just a little bit more than what I am now. But, that, but you'd have to probably jump from one school, like, you'd be at two schools for one day. Or one school one day, one school the other day, one school, you know, you may have to do a rotating thing where you're going to a different school. Yeah. If you were to combine, like, a program, like how the, you know, regular I would have school to, district I goes. would have to, like, spend the whole, like, if I talk to the principal, like, at some point. You and need say, to draw, like, Let me whole, draw up a, yeah. I have an idea, but this, you're not going to like it. <laughs> we are going to need about three and a half million dollars in donations. Yeah. It's pretty much what it's going to come down to, to the... The well, it won't be that here. much, but it it, it just it, well, it's yeah, gonna come down to that. Maybe building an auditorium on one of the properties. No, because there's 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 schools. There's also 
I could set something up to where we might even be able to play at the Cathedral Basilica or one of the cathedrals downtown. Yeah. And you get chances to do other stuff and maybe at some point even converse that whole program into two separate programs, like a high school level and a middle school level where I'm doing just those two and I'm Mm -hmm. going to different schools and doing the band program there and then middle school doing the band program there. If I wanted to do it during the day, I would have to actually go to different schools. And then like once a week, the, all the groups would get together at one location and we rehearse and then continue on our day. I'm thinking of doing that because at least then that would get me to rehearse with the groups every single day. Yeah. And that's kind of one thing that you need is repetition. So this would be a lot of talk and a lot of like pushing forward a lot of stuff. Well, and I mean, I'm sure you saw what like the uh, music directors and teachers through in Oakville Middle School and Oakville High School and then the choir directors and teachers, what they all had to go through and I'm doing one step above. Really? I'm having to rebuild an entire program from well, step yeah. up. And that's not, I, I don't want to sound arrogant on my, and that sounded way, way, way but prideful. I remember but that's the were, truth. It's just, I have to start from ground yeah. zero and but work But you remember our class level. of 2014 supposedly had one of the better performing bands in the last like 20 years Oakville's ever had. Yeah. Um, uh, Bernard Middle School and Oakville Middle School created our, one of the best. Our class had the, because mm. when we came in, the freshmen, I think, 98% of the freshmen coming into the band were all first chair players. Yeah. That's how good we were. And there was only like a minor few that were seniors. Yeah. But the thing is, um, so. I remember you saying something and it may have been joking or something or your conductor. He's like, you know, they say if we don't do well with the band this year, they're going to replace me or something. And it was like his third year there. And he was been like reconstructing. Uh, my memory of high school is kind of phased in and out, so I don't remember too much of that stuff. But I, I heard a lot of those teachers though went really hard. You know, they did. A well, lot. I think I made a joke saying like I I guess they're worried that they'll get replaced if um they don't do well they don't do well. Um, but because we started out like crap and it progressively kept getting better and better. Well, and by I the mean, time my senior year happened, we actually were doing really well. And my final show that I ever did my senior year was the best show I had done my whole life in yeah. marching band. Yeah. Or my whole time in marching but band. But the thing is, marching band started, what, like six weeks actually before the school started? Like a month, month and a half. But it was yeah. both, you had to go there for like eight hours almost. Seven, six. six or seven in the morning to about two to three in the afternoon. Yeah, so it was like a full school day of just Outside. marching. Outside. I loved the first week because we did a lot of inside stuff and very little playing and marching on the field. That was hot. Like signing out, getting everyone's positions, you know. Well, and that and that's just the a chairs, I guess. It's a lot, and one that those teachers don't get paid enough. Honestly, <coughs> I think yeah. music teachers in high school and maybe middle school should be probably paid a little bit more if they have to do all that now, kind of crap. What we were blessed with while we were kids is. Uh, we had a superintendent that actually fought and did a lot for the music programs. Canost? Yeah. I think because he Because was, he put uh, the he auditorium. Was, he, well, he, he was a music teacher. I think. Yeah. He His was, doctorate but, was in music. Yeah. So, so he, he had, had a, a lot more, like, heart towards that. And so did Mrs. Um, our principal, Mrs. Kellerman. Yeah, well, Kellerman they, was hardcore on all the arts music, and stuff. Because she said it was needed. It's ne- Yeah. And it, my, it, my principal somewhat believes the same thing is that she didn't that's why she hired me she didn't want to cancel the music program program. she thinks it's an integral part well you can't take away like 
you could get rid of engineering classes or woodwork, but you the can't moment get... you take away away the arts, you take away a child's inability to think creatively. I well, think. that's that's like why all these rural schools, yeah, they have the core classes, but art is one of art and PE are the one of the few things you can't take away from education. And it's usually the first thing, and art is that's the cut. arts are the first thing that gets cut because they think, well, we already have instruments. Why do we need to pay more? I'm like, well, well what if you need to replace? Why them? do we need to keep? Pay- putting money into this program that isn't really doing too much and it's because they're not putting money into the program to begin with really like a heavy amount they're not well, wanting they're to make putting, it better yeah they're putting in a or they're they're getting teachers that are just not hard well, you remember it. i remember in high school my senior year overhearing they're like you know 2014 it was they already did that huge budget cut that year for us i remember the art teachers like yeah we got 850 dollars for this class to spend and we were getting new stuff well i don't know if that we was were the true. La- we, we were getting got, new- we never got laptops we were the class that was well the band was getting a lot of stuff too we well, were that getting was a also lot a lot of, of donations and grants that canost and I don't doubt it. I really don't doubt it because we were getting new tubas, we were getting new euphoniums, we were getting new, new uniforms. Uniform. We got all new. I was. We were the class. My junior, the end of my junior year is when we got fitted for those uniforms, and I still have one of the old uniforms. I yeah, went we dumpster diving them, for right? it. Yeah. We had to throw them away because no one was going to buy them, and they wouldn't let the students keep them because that's a loss of money. Well, it, not true um because when we because my class had to throw them out was in jazz band so we had to throw them out at the end of the year senior year and i was like i looked at mr brakefield and i said can i can i take can i take a uniform home he's like you gotta go dumpster diving for it i was like fucking worth it i got the whole uniform i got the gloves i got the the plumes i got the hat and i got the jacket and pants i have the whole thing that's fucking wild i have my high school uniform i it probably wasn't mine but because I think it was smaller than, definitely smaller than the one I actually had, yeah. but I still had it. Yeah, dude. No, I mean, and then Oakville's re- done a lot of stuff since we've left too. You know, they put a lot of money recently in like upgrading technology. I uh, heard the music program isn't as great anymore. Like, well, the kids aren't I think as good. they're. Uh, didn't their uh, like choir and music director actually leave? Like, the oh, head I don't think chick? so. I don't think so. Was Mister Breakfield the uh, head? Yeah, he's still there. Yeah. Okay, then yeah. Paula he's... Martin left. A year before I did, I think. I I think, but she did really good with our choir, dude. She oh did. yeah, she still teaches. One of my students who was in my choir mm-hmm. actually knows her and has been under her before. And I said, "Oh, Paula still teaches." Yeah, pa- well, Paula like left Oakville, you know, like I think twenty fifteen. No, twenty thirteen, and she, she went she on left to do right college. After our, uh, she did. Senior? She went assisting at college our oh, junior year. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then uh, twenty sixteen we had the infamous... always wanted me in choir. While we're talking about Oakville, you remember that one uh, uh, gym teacher that is... Uh, Mr. Lieberhoff? Yeah, he's in big trouble. I This was like two years ago. Yeah, that was. I, I still can't believe... Following one of the students home. at home, After having her number. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to talk about that. that just, that's just <laughs> Back awful. To, uh, that's the epitome right. of teaching. Yeah, yeah, don't be like him if you're going into the teaching profession. Now, Cody... um. Where are we going to be seeing you, though, in five years? And then let's say after five years, hell? ten years. Oh. Hell? In hell? Um, hell, <laughs> New Mexico. But, um, Located five years, just north of I'm, the hoping, I'm hoping to be done with my bachelor's and hopefully moving on to teaching um, more secondary education and, hopefully, and getting into teaching band and other, and other opportunities. If not, hopefully jumping into my symphonic orchestra conductor career 
and actually start pushing that more. Yeah. And I mean, COVID, I guess, is letting you uh, have a lot of time to build and practice and compose music. and. Yeah, definitely. Um, beginning of COVID, I started working on my first symphony, which is uh, a master work by a com- with a composer. And it's one of those milestones that a composer hits. I think I talked about it last time I was yeah. we did this. And then um you did you mention that if how far are you? Is it like done and you're just tweaking it or are you still writing it or tweaking it and still writing it. Taking I wanna, stuff out, putting new stuff in you find fit. Yeah, and wanting to add some new stuff to it. And because um, a symphony is a multi movement piece, which a movement mm-hmm. is a song on its own or a song by itself. Mm-hmm. and I have five in mind, and I'm wanting to add one more to make it six, and so I've been trying to write that. I can't really find any way to good ideas and coming how out. how long is a, uh, a song typically for a symphony? Well, that varies. Like I said, I'm studying Mahler. Mahler's, so- Mahler's symphonies are about an hour and a half, so like one song can be 16 minutes to half an hour. Or one can be five minutes and the other one just... Yeah, my second movement in my symphony is only about two and a half, three minutes, mm-hmm. and the fourth and the third movement to that is only about four, while the uh, first movement's about ten or eleven. So it all varies. Yeah, that's a wow. I didn't so like, and a movement is like you said, a song, and then in the movement, is there like different sections? What is that referred to? I forgot the. Um, yeah, there's different, um, we, there's forms that you can follow when writing in music, but a movement is just a song by itself. Mm-hmm. So it, it just, it has its own idea, but okay. in an overall symphony, there's usually a, a theme that plays out. At least in my, in my view that there should be this theme that theme plays or... in every movement or every other movement mm-hmm. and the themes should like other themes should be coming in. Like the very last movement, I, my piece has, um, has like a segment of every other movement preceding it inside of it. Okay. And if I remember right, that's called sequential or sequence sequencing um, composition writing. And it's, it's just having that serialness to it. Okay. So you're, you're having reintroducing, that, reintroducing something in a different way, but then it's the same okay. thing. Okay. So it's to keep that same theme going on kind mm-hmm. of yeah, idea. Now, I know when we talk about composing and conducting, a lot of people think, you know, classical music. And, uh, I mean, there's obviously more to that. You know, we've talked last time, you know, in 2020, so long ago. <laughs> a year. Yeah, last it's year. been uh, quite a long time since I've seen you. But, uh, um, what like, obviously you're more into the classical concept of music. The, the play style, the music, writing, the um, format. Half. Half and, and the then, other you know, half that is jazz, is contemporary. Jazz, yeah. But like, how would you classify what kind of music you compose? Like, what would you say that? Would Nails be... on a chalkboard. No. Um... <laughs> Nails on a chalkboard, grinding against I, cement. I, t- I take a pen. I take five permanent markers and throw it at um, staff paper, and whatever sticks, that's what it is. Oh. Um... <laughs> All right, this one is going to be contemporary Jack Ross influ. Exactly. Um, no, um, the style that I write in is really, um, I would have to say, kind of processional. A processional 20th century um, style. Processional being like... Uh, like very gr- grandiose okay. in, its, in its style. And um, 
kind of big. I write a lot of big, big moments. And because I love just the climax. I love that. And I love whenever there's mass amount of instrumentation coming in, just having this wall of sounds that are kind of forming together perfectly. And the other thing is big, massive bass drum hits. For some reason, I really enjoy that. Um, which is because it makes featured your heart a lot. Pump. It makes your I, heart I think pump. so. And I just love that boom, 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 boom. And it just boom. has that just thrusting like motion, uh, that unrelenting motion coming. I think the most important thing in an orchestra is the triangle at the peak. Ding. You know? I have actually written pieces like that. <laughs> like where all the sounds stop and you hear a ding. It's really cool. It gets to be fun. Um, it makes me want to get off, I guess. When you... <laughs> but um, thirteen minutes in, I'm like, I'm ready. I guess. I oh. guess what the style I write in is contemporary classical. Mm-hmm. It's it's trying to find something different to do. Like, right? You want to stay first... in the classical realm, but you're trying to explore what the past didn't. Yeah, and doing and taking um, all aspects of like the realm of classical music like you have the baroque period you have the classical Mm. period you have the romantic period and now we're shuffling that into one piece of music and that's kind of what my symphony was being encompassed around someone once pointed out to me that it sounds a little bit baroque someone pointed out the like other similarities like that and at the end of the day i would say a contemporary 21st century and someone else even said that I may be starting like or do, starting to do my own like like, the, like um, my own genre of classical what? music like my own style like not there's no like style that has been called this yet because and honestly I call I call it the Burns the Bernstein Stravinsky method where it's these like just pow it just pounds it just has well, these yeah. it has these emotions that mm-hmm. thr- come out and no matter how disgusting the sound can be there's a reason behind it. There's a reason why these notes are there. And that's a big thing that I've always given to Bernstein that you listen to his music and almost his personal songs that he wrote and almost every note you hear, like even when they resolve, just sounds like they're meant to be there, that they are supposed to be there, that Mm -hmm. nothing else was meant to go there. And that's kind of how I write my music, whereas other composers had a formula to it. They'll write write this out, write that out. Um, I try to make it tell a story every note has a meaning every note tells that story part of that story yeah the reason why it's going up here is because this is in my head this is what i'm seeing happening because and the big reason is my first symphony is entitled or at least the arcing theme title is a fantasy story it's Mm -hmm. telling a fantasy story so you have to go avant-garde with it and you have to kind of give it a bit more pizzazz but i can't fall into the category of writing what everybody else has done in fantasy uh, movies like Lord of the Rings, you Star Wars, Star Wars, and Lord you have Rings, Lord of the Rings. You have Game of Thrones, and all these Harry have Potter, very specific yeah. sounds. But if you ever notice, like Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, they have a very similar sound to how it is done. Isn't and I didn't like want to do guy that. Making all that? No, music? they don't. There is. It's two different people who wrote that. But they have. There's this idea sound for like no, that the music, mu- not the, uh, the authors of them. No, I meant yeah. No, I meant the music. Uh, okay. There's two different people. But um, there's a, a but that medieval... there's a, there's a universal accepting sound for that medieval fantasy, and I didn't want to do that because I wanted to create my own story with. It. I wanted to say screw that because you can't. You, why do the same thing everybody else has done? It makes it boring. And this is where composers like Beethoven, composers like if you Mozart want to made their that stuff. to the musicians that are starting their SoundCloud career, rapping off their phone. You could repeat that statement. What? 
why are you doing what everyone else is doing? Oh, well, that's it. it <laughs> that, that's always been my number one thing, though, is why would you want to do what everybody else is doing? Because podcasting is fun, Cody. <laughs> podca- Joey, why do you want to be a podcaster? Everybody else is doing it because of quarantine. No, um, <laughs> because I want to do it because I was quarantined. But and and I and I've fallen victim to doing the traditional. I've written a brass choir piece that is kind of a processional march mm-hmm. and has this dark, sultry sound to it. But as and it's, every but it's different. It's different in a lot of ways yeah. too. I it within the score itself, with it within the notes of it, I did a lot of things different that someone else would said. Well, I would have put it on this beat because that's how it sounds. And I said no, because. It, this is actually a great example. One of one of the um, beats in my in that brass choir piece I wrote sounded mm-hmm. like it was an up. It was going up, so it was like the last beat of a measure leading into the next one. And instead of that, it started right on there. So it had a bop 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 right on the downbeat. But instead, it sounded like a bop 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 going going in that last beat. And my mentor was like, he said that's just so weird. And I said, you yourself told me that this piece is actually comical. And it has a it has a funny theme to it that it makes you laugh. I said that subverts the expectation. I said that was the whole point of that. It subverts and I bullshit at that. That was bullshit. I threw that out of my ass when I told him that <laughs> at the moment. But I said it, it subverts your expectations. You're not expecting it to be the first beat. You're wanting it to be that fourth beat, and it's funny because the audience is going to be like, well, that just feels weird. Or a musician's gonna be like, that feels weird, and it's funny. <laughs> and that's, that's how music should be. Feel funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like if. Even though the piece that I wrote is very serious in its sound, it has this like boom, 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 and then the the dark the dark part of it is this ba da 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 ba da da da, and and so it's a very serious piece, but it just had and it just has this comical approach. I guess because I can be funny myself. I don't know. Some people say I'm funny. I just say I'm. I just get lucky with my comedy. Um, but that's the thing about music is to have that enjoyment, to yeah. find the comedy in there and not yeah. make fun of what it is, but to laugh because the composer or the person who wrote it did something that's just Fun. not normal. Yeah. It's not abnormal. And it's something that it, it's kind of like a, I call a Mozart syndrome. Mozart, Mozart always did that kind of stuff where he wrote something just to, just to have a laugh at the audience. And he wrote and a lot he of was things. deaf, wasn't he? No, Beethoven. Beethoven. But. Right. Um, we have something in music theory called the deceptive cadence, it, where it sounds like it's a question mark at the end of a phrase, and you don't think you think it's going to keep going on, and usually it does. It resolves into another phrase, and you know, so on and so forth. Mozart would put that at the end of his song, so you would have this like ba da, and it would just be that complete utter silence where the you know the audience is like kind of leaning in, like waiting for the next next part to come on, and done. And he would have a big laugh out of that. And people would start clapping, I guess, after they would yeah. realize well, it. Yeah, well, it would take It'd a minute. Be, it would be like, uh, because they don't want to start clapping, and they'd go, boom, boom, well, exactly. boom, boom. And, or like someone like Beethoven, who wrote music just with every one of his symphonies has an emotion attached to it. Mm-hmm. Every one of them, you can tie a specific emotion to it. And that's and to me, and that's the whole idea of music, is to tie the emotion in to try something new every time, yep. to do something that is out of the ordinary for yourself, to go out of your comfort zone. And that's the only way that we grow as musicians is if we go, jump out of that comfort zone and to be able to find new ground, to find something new, to do something different. Mm-hmm. Whether you knew that you could do it or not, that's why so many people who start out 
in this world fail because they were too timid to push forward. They were too scared to kind of to try something new because they didn't think they were going to make it. Or the, they didn't think they were actually going to be able to do anything. Or they tried something new and then they hit, you know, the, that first hurdle. Like That's what I'm saying. They, and then they, they just quit. They, wanna, they don't want to keep trying it. And this they, was someone I knew. She would always um, complain and, and have issues because she wasn't do, getting doing enough gigs doing this, this, and that. And you have me over here because I, I, I felt this hint of jealousy that I was able to accomplish all that I, I wanted. And I'm accomplishing more as every day passes. But you, we have a drive to continue what we're doing. And That's one, that was one. Two, you have to. I don't care what job career it is. You have to trug through mud. You will always have to trug through the mud first before the light comes or that that hard ground comes out of it. You got to put money in before you you make money. Well, exactly. And for a musician, you have to be shut down more times than you have been given. You're going to probably do a show on the side of the road with your instrument open. Exactly. To make a couple bucks. I've gotten lucky with a lot of the gigs I've gotten, a lot of the things that I've done. And it's because I built a network of people that know me, that trust me, that know my abilities. And mm-hmm. I've been able to say, you know what? I want to go above and beyond. I want to do something. And it's like the first time I premiered a piece of music that I wrote. I went on the stage. My mentor came up to me and said, um, like moments before, and he asked me where my score was at. I said, I think I'm going on without my score today. And he looked at me and had this look of, well, it's your funeral if you fuck it up, you know, kind of thing. And... Um, got on stage, did it perfectly, and I got off. The first person to greet me was him, and he pulled me in and said, that was fucking amazing. And I did it without a score. And he gave me that look of just doubt that that's probably not a good idea, but whatever, it's your song. You do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And you just have to try something new. You have, that's, that's probably in all aspects of life. If you want well, to succeed, you have, you have to. to be willing to try something new. Like, I mean... If you get out of your comfort zone and do something, you one, realize you enjoy it a lot. Two, you mm-hmm. may actually be pretty decent at it. Or you found out something that you hate. Yeah, you know. But at least you tried. I like I at just started playing frisbee golf. Fucking love. Oh, that will it. consume your life. Dude, I played That's like the Skyrim. La- yes. <laughs> for six just the difference is Skyrim syndrome lasts six months. Disc golf lasts for life. Six months because you realize you have no life. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know what's crazy about disc golfing was um, I was at work Thursday. A little side story here. And uh, I, mind you, I played the last three, four days. We've played for a couple hours. My knees were a little sore just walking all day, getting down, you know, getting in sure the tree. sure it was from walking down, walking around? Well, I mean, <laughs> but you know. I've heard I, stories. Okay. But I mean, we walked like 12 miles in, you know, two, three days mm-hmm. playing frisbee golf. And, you know, it's not a very heavy, demanding sport. It's very laid back. It was cool. And this construction worker comes in, drops his wallet, bends over, and he's like, oh, man, my back hurts. And I'm like, dude, I fucking feel you. My knees have been popping all day from the intense frisbee golf and I did this week. And he looks at me, and he's like, frisbee golf? I was like, yeah, man. I got a par three on hole eight there in JB Bunker. I was wonder- I've was i been seeing those posts on Facebook. I was wondering if you were playing like golf on your phone or something. No, it that's looks like disc it. golf, yeah. No. You were playing disc golf. Yeah. Now that makes sense. Those are just uh, trackers. The mystery the- has been solved. Yeah. Is Joey actually getting into a sport? Stay Joey's tuned to find out. sports. You know, what's going on with Joe? You know, today... Actually- you ever watched America's Funniest Home Videos? Because we need to record you doing sports Oh, now. you should have seen this one. Um, We were at Watson Trail. And uh, I threw this disc at hole three, and it's right by this pond. 
and it got stuck on the rocks in a little waterfall. But I had to climb through all these vines to get in. I was wearing this jacket. You know, so I you, kept getting you, stuck to the vines. You got to throw I know. I, you got to throw I, the I, frisbee horizontal, yeah, not vertical, Jerry. I know. I know. I'm well, well, that's actually, uh, you do those type of shots when you need to. Those are uh, boomerang shots or, you know, fucking horizontal. I know. You obviously, frisbees go horizontal. horizontal. I'm not stupid. <laughs> I do horizontal. But, um,. I got so fucking mad when I got stuck in the vines. And then we went to JB later that day, played there. And I had this really good drive, but I ran into it. The The platform was muddy and wet. I threw it. It was a really good throw, but then I fell backwards and landed in all this fucking mud. Oh. Well, I was laughing. I, was, I had a good drive, though. Speaking of mud, I was at Cliff Cave. Cliff Cave Park? Yeah, about a Home of year, where the dead killed two kids. A year and a half ago. Go. I want to say something like that. Maybe yeah. two years ago. Yeah. Um, back in with the day. my now ex girlfriend. Um, but we don't bring exes to twenty twenty one. But um, we went. I we had just gotten back together for like the upteenth time, Oof. and I was like, we never, like a we've pair never of been friends. We've had. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mirror. We mirrored each other so well. Oh wow. Um, but Shame. we. I, I looked at it and I said, we never went to Cliff K Park. And at the time, I was actually writing my piece um, that I was about to premiere um, the following year. I had already started writing it. And I with no like idea that I was doing that, I'm going to yeah. be premiering it. And it was written about Cliff Cave. Yeah. Um, but we get down there. And this is after they did all the reconstruction and everything. Which looks nice. It, those it does, but it takes away the aesthetic. Uh. But anyway, I was taking her to the cave. And it was all muddy on that hilly area, you know. And... I was like, you know what? What if I just carry your ass down there? She's like, uh, because not to say she's fat. She was, you know, thick, a little thicker, but nothing that I couldn't carry. And I ended up falling flat on my ass with her in my hands. Never dropped her. I had her like this the whole time and I just went down. My arms never faltered. And my whole back was just all the way down to my feet were covered in mud. I was like, ah, shit. That's why you don't carry your woman in muddy areas, Cody. Let her walk. Well, her I should have made walk, yeah. <laughs> uh, after all the crap I had to go through. Oh, man. Like, it... I was the problem. No, um, this isn't girlfriend hour. <laughs> like, I was the problem. I'm it's... not bitter. Damn it, that damn bitch. No. Uh... <laughs> hey, we don't call women bitches in 2021. We call them girls. Simps? Simps, yes. Sus. Well, that's, I think They're that's... sus. The... That's something I get my students flipping out about. And I, I'll, I'll look at one of them and be like, that's sus, bro. And I just hear, Whoa! They're like, like I've, never, I've never played Among Us. And they're like, what? I was like, no. I, just, I subject I myself to that? I have a whole that? bunch of friends that played it for the three weeks. It was cool. Yeah, that's what I said. And then I had a bunch of friends that played it for the time that it was cool. Like, it's still funny to watch people play, but I haven't played it. It, just seems, it just seems like something you play for two minutes and then well, you're like, yeah. You, you, the issue is... I made new friends for no reason. Well, the thing is, like, if you found, like, a really cool Discord server that hosted them and they would be, like, real people trying to play the game and have fun, cool. You'd play, but half the time you'd join a game, third of the people would leave, and then your imposter would leave because he's just either poor connection or just sucked, you know? Uh, I haven't played Among Us, so I wouldn't know. 
I've pl- it's still downloaded on my phone. Have you played the South po- uh, South Park Phone Destroyer game? No, I don't play any games on my phone. Well, what's the point of you buying a smartphone if you don't use it for the smart capabilities like gaming? I do. It's called I use it for my work. I use mine for work. Porn doesn't count. What? Well, p- Porn archiving doesn't count. <laughs> okay. Making hentai porn doesn't count. Making subpar. No, making pseudo subpar hentai Hentai porn porn doesn't count. (laughs) Making Skyrim influenced anime hentai porn. I was going for five insults. Did I make my mark? No. That was you were short too. Oh, Joey, your beard looks like a wired wired rat's nest. Oh, thanks. Make that four. Okay. And your right hand doesn't count as a girlfriend. Five. Yeah, we're good. What about my left? Counts as cheating on your right hand. <laughs> All right. I use them both usually. You want to shake my hand? <laughs> no, no. I don't shake your hand at all. I don't, I don't think ever since I've met you. Yeah, I've you've actually given me hugs and shaken my hand multiple times. I don't remember any of this. You shook my hand walking in the house today. Did I? Yeah. I. <laughs> explains the tingling feeling I have on my hand now. Yeah, that's only a rash. No big deal. I know, it looks like herpes. Yep. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, man, we're at uh, 54 minutes right now on our episode, believe it or not. Do you want to continue, or do you want to wrap things up? Do you have any more questions about Um, me as a musician? uh, My philosophy on music? I think we got a little bit of that. Well, we got a little... my philosophy on composition. No, yeah. (laughs) And uh, what's going to be cool is... uh, you know, we'll probably have you back on at the end of the semester to see, to recap what you the did. recap of everything. Yeah, and then, you know, yeah, man. No, um, I guess the last question we have is, when do you expect you'll be able to conduct your next show? Like, your next full show, no COVID, obviously, probably going to be a year or two from now, I'm assuming. I'm hoping at the bare, at the long term, my symphony. And I'm hoping to get that to my mentor, because he runs, you know, uh, community colleges community groups Mm -hmm. and so he can put that together and that's how i've been able to do it so far so i'm hoping that at least in the long term stuff but um i am part of a drum and bugle corps i'm the music director for that so that might be the next thing if we do anything this summer Mm -hmm. um or if i do another mass choir so it's up in the air at the moment But but let's just say at long term, a year, short term, three months. <laughs> three months to a year, we should see something come out of uh, our friend Conductor Cody. Is that what you're saying? Pretty much. Right on, man. But, dude, I guess that's what we're going to finish the note on. Um, we do want to shout Is out. Is that a pun? <laughs> I mean. I hate you. If that was. Hey. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill hate you. Hate me all you want. Just don't break my gear or I'll kick you out. <laughs> Okay, that's fine. Yeah, so I'll just I don't have it. the energy to break people's stuff, so yeah. I break my own shit. Yeah, by accident. Yeah, and you know, you are finally me getting into some sort of media and art thing like this. I kind of understand the struggle of you musicians and like singers. I've been in music vi- a music video, and I've been in recording studios, and I've been in. But um, just the amount of money you spend TV. on gear is ridiculous, and people need to respect that a little more, I guess. And I start to respect the it hard more. work that we put in is what. And it's and it's like being a conductor. Not many people really expect how a much lot goes of work into goes it. into it. And what really it means is, I have to make a hundred people sound together, sound as one. I have to have these people you as one up in at one mind. Hours at night, wondering yeah. why this is. I ever sounding... showed you the video with Bernstein getting pissed? Yeah, it, yeah. The I 
I remember making the mark in my red pencil. Four o'clock in the fucking morning I was up doing this. Why didn't anybody get told any of this? I mean, that's the kind of stuff that we deal with is like, it, you're up till four o'clock in the morning making corrections or make or rewriting something. To make or it sound better because it didn't If did you're it, a composer sound, conductor yeah. or if you're even yeah. just doing like a Stravinsky's Rite of Spring, you're studying that fucker and every single measure because it changes time signatures so much and tempo mm -hmm. changes so much. It's frustrating. And you're writing all your notes down. You're writing every notes down. Yep. And that's... it. it that's not just the conductor has the hardest job. I mean, a lot of musicians will say, if they're professionals, they will say the hardest job is the conductor. Because... That's why we get paid the most, but... But, like you said, uh, for orchestras, yeah, the musicians are known, like, especially if you're asked to play an instrument for an orchestra and you're well-known, you get paid handsomely, I'm sure. Yeah. But you're not there for your name. You're not no, Lindsey Sterling unless it's like and in St. an Louis, orchestra there yeah. there may be four or five trombones and you're one of them. There's only one conductor. There's only one concert master. There's only yeah. one principal trombone player. Those are the ones that are going to get known. Or there's the, only or one principal bass on trombone the, player. Their name's going to be the bigger ones on the pamphlet. They're going to and they're going to be paid more because they do have more responsibilities. The first chairs or the concert master has to organize more stuff to make it a little bit easier on the conductor. Mm. What then I come in and do is pretty much say. All right, this is what we're going to be working on. This is what I want to do. This is this, this, and that, and blah, 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 blah. I want it to sound like this. I don't have to deal with handing out the sheets of music. I have to deal with um, the music librarian who will make the changes in the music that I want or add in like little markings that I want to be specifically in there so I don't have to go over it yeah. and to save up on time. Um, but I haven't had the opportunity to actually do that with the music librarian to have them change the music. Um, mm -hmm. so a lot of it just comes out in rehearsal time, Yeah, but it is a lot of work. It, it's a lot of work, especially if you're only meeting once a week. Um, if you're meeting for like three or four days in a row, it makes it a little bit easier because it's fresh in everybody's mind. They're getting, they're still doing it. They're processing it and everything. But when you're only doing it once a week, it just becomes really hard to put something together quickly. Oh yeah. No, that's, uh, that's how it, unless you're a podcaster, it's not hard to do this once a week. Oh, well, uh, a, a decent podcast. Fuck. Yeah, Burns. All right, yeah. Get asked onto a better show, why don't you? <laughs> I'll call Dan. He only composes, like, or works with, like, uh, not composer. He only, like, records and works with uh, metalcore musicians and metal musicians. Thank you very much. <laughs> <clears throat> There's been a lot of crossover between orchestral and metal music. Have you not known this? Yeah, have you ever heard of the group called Apocalyptica? Have you ever heard Metallica and the St. Louis Symphony? Yeah. I don't like Metallica, but I still know this. I didn't like that set. I don't care. I'm just telling you this. There's some crossovers Plus, that don't you know need Beethoven to was like the original metal writer? Like, <laughs> oh, come on. Oh. That fifth symphony. Oh, no, 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 no. Come on, think about it. <laughs> think about it. All right, Beethoven's guys. the original metalhead. So, uh, with that being said, we're gonna leave it on the. Made everybody's bitch. Yeah, Beethoven was a metalhead and thought everyone was a bitch. And uh, you he, guys have a great he, fucking yeah. night. This was episode eighteen of WGO with Joe. Good night. Peace. So, so you're fucking telling me that you took that test though? I took yeah, I took a twenty three and me. Um, 23 test. me because it was always like telling everybody what all the different nationalities are you know Native and, American and that 
that was the big one. We, my sister and I were told by our dad for years, uh, my whole life. So this is about 24 years in the making that we were Native American. Yep. And my dad looked I remember it. you being, so the reason I'm this way, my skin tone is this way because I have part Native American. Well, and the reason for this being so hard to be disbelieved, because my dad, you remember my dad, he had a dark complexion, yeah. black hair, and it was even win- <clears throat> winter, and it, he still looked, he still had that dark complexion. So, there was really no doubt. Then I take a 23andMe test, and I get it back, and turns out I'm pretty much 90-something percent European and like a small percentage, and I think... Middle Middle East, Middle Eastern, and and, and <laughs> your life's a lie. Yeah, my whole life has been an entire lie. So for the past twenty four years, twenty five years has been a lie. And like I said earlier, I said it's like walking into work thinking that it's Friday, and you spend all day thinking that it's Friday, but it's actually Thursday. And then finally, someone tells you that it's near the end of your Thursday, shift on Thursday. That it's it's, it's Thursday. Not Friday, it's Thursday. It's not Friday. It's Thursday. That was my whole life leading up to that point. So you're so it was a real gut punch that um, I found out. And my my girlfriend at the time. Did you do what uh, uh, Stan Marsh did or or his father did, where he made out with the Native American? I should have done that. But um, but I like how the DNA test people came back like we have another way to test. But my um my girlfriend at the time looked at me and just did this massive ha to me, and I looked at ha. I looked at her with the the coldest of eyes and said, "This isn't the fucking time to do this." I said, <laughs> "I said my whole life has been a lie and it's come tumbling down at this moment. You cannot fucking laugh at me right now, and I you are not to talk about this ever again." Like it it stayed a secret for a while. I wouldn't tell anybody. Yeah, you just told me. I was me so recently. pissed. I was so pissed. That's fucking hilarious. That it dude. sucked. So my whole life's been a lie. So thinking that it was Friday ended up being Thursday has been my my life. Nice. And um, it's been shattered. But you know what? You'll wake up tomorrow. Still not Native American. I'm Polish, 12%. So Hey, you and Patrick there. have something in common now. Yeah, we're Polish. He's more <laughs> Polish than I am. Well, yeah, he's like, what, second gen off the boat type shit? Yep, first generation off the boat. Yeah, he got born in New York or some shit. Yeah, and I'm hi- I'm highly German and French. Nice. That's majority of my blood is well, German. Well, we can tell you were German, but you're wearing an Irish shirt right now. I'm British. That's the other majority. So you pr- so, so English, Welsh, so Scottish, your family's and history Irish. is known just to kill each other. Each other. More or less, I could kick and my own like, ass in multiple different ways. So I like, surprisingly kicked my ass the first time, but then <laughs> I I come back and and then kick my ass again by two other people. Oh yeah. But uh, marvelous. Anyways, and guys, yet I can't drink shit. Anyways, last guys, time I drank whiskey, I ended up making out with a girl and getting COVID. So I don't know how that happened. Oh That's why I don't drink whiskey anymore. Oh my gosh, I can't drink whiskey because I get hands on. Well, like I said, we're gonna go ahead and I would have I would have had sex with a brick outro, wall. Out, he wants to have sex with a wall right now. If we I, got fiberglass. Not, He's gonna be pounding it. Thank you for tuning in for episode eighteen. Episode nineteen comes out next week. Stay tuned for more. Remember, donate money to the WGO with Joe Anchor.fm page. If you want to help sponsor us, go ahead and give us a like on Facebook. Send us a letter or an email or some shit on the page. 
and we'll get back to you to talk about pricing and premiering your business as one of the fucking WGO with Joe affiliates. And if you see Joey on the street, throw an apple at him. I eat, so that would be okay. And a rotten egg. All right. Have a good day.